Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski with the Female Insight Zone. Today I'm interviewing Andy Kramer. Andy is a partner in the international law firm of McDermott, Will, and Emery, one of the 10 best big law firms for female attorneys. She's the founding chair of the firm's Gender Diversity Committee. She served on both the Management Committee, the Compensation Committee, and in these roles, she became deeply concerned about the disparities in the pace and extent of women's and men's career achievements. I am thrilled to have this powerhouse on our podcast today. So welcome, Andy. Well, thank you so much, Mary Beth. I'm very glad to be here. So I know in your work, you've, you've recognized some things that obviously are happening in the work world. You have tried to help women with these things by some of the books that you've written. But tell me how, you know, what are some of the things, maybe you pick out one key thing that you experienced where you said, wow, we really have a problem here that needs to be fixed in ways that are different than we've tried in the past. Something that's personally happened to you. Well, the very first time that I realized that there was a problem, I was called into a meeting. And as you introduced me, you introduced me as Andy Kramer, which is what I what everybody calls me. But my given name is Andrea. And so I get a phone call, Andy, I need some help in this meeting. I go into the meeting. And as I walk in, the client whose back was at the to the door of the conference room uh, says, well, wait a minute, Andy's a girl. I can't possibly work with a woman. And so here I'm standing over his shoulder when I'm hearing him say this. And I realized that there were various ways I could handle it. And one of them was, you know, to get offended. And I concluded that wasn't going to take me very far. So I made light of it. I suggested that I was going to go out and do a lap around the floor and come back in and we're going to start over. And it allowed him to save face. And we worked together for 12 years after that. And so one of the first things I learned was that sometimes you have to give the other person a way out if they say something stupid. And then I was at this small little firm where they couldn't care if you were purple polka dotted. If you did a good job, everybody wanted you on their projects. And so I joined a big firm and found that it doesn't work that way when people don't know you, when people don't know what skills you're going to bring to the table, what kind of a contributor you're going to be. They rely on the stereotypes and the biases that they have about women, men, work, leaders, mothers. And so, for example, I uh, was talking to one of my partners and I mentioned that I had a two-year-old. And when I had a project with him shortly after that, he would call me and leave me messages saying, well, I'd like to meet with you at five o'clock if you'll still be around. <laughs> or I assume you're not going to be available. And so I started to never find myself available at five, even if I was. But I would um, assure him that I was available anytime after 630 or anytime after five in the morning the next day. And he never really wanted to see me. He just really wanted to just sort of prove to me that he was somehow better than I was. So that was one of the lessons that I learned is that the assumptions that people carry about who you are based on characteristics that we have. 
Well, and so this is super interesting, and it's why I wanted you to come on this podcast, because there are these biases. And you mentioned earlier, you know, instead of confronting the person, you know, that's ridiculous that you feel that way about me. You you say you give them an out. But one of the ways that we break through the bias, and you wrote the book on that, actually called Breaking Through Bias, is to not be confrontational in some cases, but to allow them to learn. Now, that process seems to me that it would take forever to allow every man to learn how great a woman was in a place where they didn't expect her to be. So tell me what you do with that and, and maybe some of the uh, of the things that you wrote in your book, Breaking Through Bias. And I know you've got another book coming out as well, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Well, you've raised a couple of important points, which is we're not going to be able to change the world one person at a time, but we are going to make the world better one person at a time. Mm. And so in thinking about how are we going to handle the situation that we're presented with, what basically I always think about it is the to-do list. So many of us will have a to-do list that we'll make in the morning, whether we write it out or we think about it. You know, I've got to do the following things today. Well, the very first thing that I would say belongs on that to-do list is remember that I want to get what I'm trying to achieve. I want to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish. I want to get what I want. So that if you're interacting with somebody and it's clear that the stereotypes and the biases that they have are preventing you from being seen in the light that you want to be seen, then you can figure out ways to reach them. Humor is one way, a way of confronting them that still allows them to save face. Because I can tell you that if you go after somebody who's more powerful than you are in a confrontational way, they have very long memories. Right. And so it's better, it's much better to try to make light of something or to brush it off. Sometimes it's just impossible to do that. And you have to say that's totally inappropriate. But that I would recommend is something that you say when you're one-on-one instead of in a group of people, if at all possible. Because again, men are much more concerned about saving face than women seem to be. Right. So what are some of the tactics to or techniques, if you will, to break through this bias? We have to have conversations in two different ways. One is a conversation with ourselves about wanting to demonstrate that we're confident and competent. Another one is sort of mind games that we can play with ourselves to get ourselves feeling more in control, having a coping sense of humor, and, and, and not taking the world too seriously. It turns out that if we trip and fall, we can hit the ground and say, uh-oh, I fell. I'm never going to be able to do this. Or we can dust ourselves off and try it again and try to learn from it. And so those are the types of conversations that we need to have with ourselves, whether we're a woman or a man. And we should have those conversations with ourselves pretty much all day long. But the conversations with others are the ones that once we've thought about how we have conversations about who we are to ourselves, it really gets put into three buckets. It's the nonverbal, the sort of the body language, which it turns out that most people remember the way they see us or the way they hear us as opposed to the words that we're actually saying. And so the nonverbal is very important. The, the language patterns that we use become very important. For example, 
women are much more likely to say, I'm sorry, not when they've done something that requires an apology, but as a connector, as a way of connecting people together. So you might say, I had a really terrible day and everything went wrong. I would say to you, I'm sorry. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, which suggests that I had something to do with your really very bad day, perhaps maybe I should say something like, it's really unfortunate or, you know, do you want to talk about it? Something that doesn't put the light of, I might have done something wrong on it. Mm. And so those are sort of language patterns. Women will sometimes say, this may be a dumb idea, but, or I'm not sure I understand exactly, or I may have come to the meeting late, or maybe I didn't understand this. And those things make whatever powerful statement we're going to say after that sound very ineffective. So, and then the very last one is digital in writing. So very often women will spend too much time with the niceties in an email. And so what happens is we have an an emergency meeting at five o'clock. It gets lost in the fifth paragraph and people don't see it. You know, it becomes important to make clear what it is we're trying to say when we're doing it in writing. Yeah, not bury the lead, if you will. And exactly, you know, there's something really interesting from what you said in the second point, which is sometimes we will start off saying, maybe I am not understanding this correctly. Can you share with me? Well, you know, you're automatically like, oh, she doesn't get what we're talking about. Right. But I have a very, very powerful, super strong type A personality. He comes in the room and he intimidates people. He uses this strategy to actually bring down the the thoughts that people have about him already that he knows going into that meeting that he is so strong and he is so forceful that he say, like, listen, I, I guess I'm not understanding this. I'm like, oh, okay. So he uses it as a way to communicate more effectively. Yes, exactly. And we use it and it doesn't become an equalizer. It becomes something opposite. And so we have to use different techniques as women and men. And sometimes I have a marketing consulting firm and work with a lot of financial advisors and the female financial advisors sometimes cannot follow what their mentor male financial advisors are doing because those strategies may not have the same kind of impact. So yes, and, and this leads me into my next question, which is, I know you have a new book coming out. It's not about you. It's the workplace. Talk a little bit about this book and how you and your husband came to writing this book. Well, when we started speaking and writing about our first book, Breaking Through Bias, it's about the stereotypes and biases about women and men and how it affects the way we interact with each other in the workplace. And although we have a section in that book, which is women have the same stereotypes that men do, so we have to deal with women in the same way, we would get comments from workshop participants or, or people who had been listening to you know, conversations, and they'd say things like, I don't have any trouble. A woman would say, I don't have any trouble working with the men. It's the women I hate working with. (laughs) Or I love working with men. I hate working with women. And so instead of getting, again, the sort of try to get the other person to learn, the very first thing I might say to that is, that's really interesting. Can you tell me what they do that upsets you? Oh, they're nasty. They're cold. They're bitches. They're this. They're that. They're this. They're that. The guys are great to work with. And I'll say, okay, how do the women treat you differently from the way the men treat you? Well, they don't. Right. Okay, so wait a minute. So the women are bitches cold and unfeeling, but the men are just doing their jobs. Yes, 
and the knowledge dawns at some point, the light bulb goes on. And it's that the women are holding the older or more senior women to a higher standard, a different standard from what they're holding the men to, because they want them to be nice and kind and sweet and behave the way that women are supposed to behave. Except that these senior women are in a position where they have to do it the way the guys do very often in order to be accepted in the leadership circle. And so that's what prompted us to start the research and to write about uh, it's not you, it's the workplace, where we've concluded that the stereotypes and biases that we have and the workplaces that are gendered because they're mostly run by men with masculine values and cultures and expectations puts women in situations where we have more difficulty working with each other than we would if workplaces were not gendered and we didn't go to work with our own stereotypes and biases about other people, including other women. Do you think the idea that we work virtually in a lot of cases, there's lots of businesses where there, people are working virtually, do you think that helps or or is not necessarily a help for women? So you're not seeing them, you know, it's it's a virtual work, you're on the phone with somebody. Um, what, what happens in, in those kinds of situations? The same dynamics happen when you're on a conference call than when you're in a meeting. And what happens in conference calls very often is that the women will talk and the men will talk over them. So that you could say, you know, Mary Beth could say the most impressive thing and nobody hears you. And then four minutes later, Fred says it and they want to get out a golden chariot and carry him around the room. (laughs) And you're like, wait a minute, I said that five minutes ago. But they don't hear us because they assume that we're not going to be adding value. We have to overcome that by being able to demonstrate our competence and our confidence. And if somebody interrupts us, we need to have the strength to say, Fred, let me finish my point. I'll be happy to pass it over to you when I'm done or something. A guy could say, I'm not finished. Or you interrupted me. But a woman cannot do it that way. If she does, everybody's hair catches fire. Who does she think she is? Right. So she has to do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it all starts with the bias is what you're saying. And that makes a lot of sense. It's not that we are we're, we're going into a situation in the business, in the work world where we may already have a disadvantage based on something that has actually nothing to do with us in terms of exactly. us as a as an individual person with skill sets. So tell us about when your new book is coming out and how people can find it and also any resources that you might have for people to continue learning about this. It's Not You, It's the Workplace is coming out in August. It's at the publisher. It's available on Amazon and from your favorite bookstore if um, they could pre-order it for you. So they're taking orders now for It's Not You, It's the Workplace. Breaking Through Bias, our first book is available and um, on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and wherever you feel like getting your books from. But we also have a website, which is andyandal.com. And it's Andy, A-N-D-I-E, and A-N-D-L, A-L, andyandal.com. Our blogs are posted there. But we also have an assessment, which is how would you handle 10 
potentially gender biased situations. And you answer these questions and by return computer magic, you'll get how you did on this assessment. And it's confidential. No one knows about it. And you can learn from how would you handle different situations. And for men, this has been very interesting because the questions that were intentionally written from a woman's perspective and the comment section that we get very often from men is, I never really thought about how difficult it might be for a woman to deal with things in the office that, and, and, and in the workplace that I don't even think about. And it can open up a man's eyes when he takes this assessment, putting himself in a woman's shoes. So it's definitely worth trying. Well, wonderful. So go to the website, get the assessment. It sounds like an absolutely valuable thing to do. And I knew that this podcast would be insightful for listeners and for me. And so thank you so much, Andy, for being a part of this podcast and uh, sharing your knowledge and research with us all. I'm very happy to do it, and I very much appreciate the opportunity, Mary Beth. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.